0: Hey guys, how you doing? I um I wanted to we're gonna jump straight in. Um, I wanted to talk to you guys about tongues, and um and I wanted to uh, I was gonna do a teaching on this anyway, uh, coming up in the next few weeks, and so I thought what a great opportunity to for us just to give a little bit of a bite-sized snippet here of of what tongues is, um, what it isn't, uh, and and what the benefits of it are as believers and. You know, I think um, it's available for every single person. It's a gift. It's not uh, reserved for those elect few. Um, it's you. Uh, you have access to the Holy Spirit in its fullest form, in his fullest form. And um, But I want to address a couple of things before we delve into it in, uh, um, in the scriptures is, you know, there was a whole bunch of... Um, Doctrines, uh, especially in the um, Assemblies of God movement, in the uh, the Pentecostal movement, around um, what's called initial evidence of tongues, um, being a, a believer uh, that you need to speak in tongues. If you cannot speak in tongues, then you were not a believer. Or they would say, well, we don't have any initial evidence that you are a believer. And so um, that evidence being tongues, um, because I think it's six or seven times that the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes upon you know the upper room. Paul talks about it in Acts nineteen. Um, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Uh, and they say no, we've been baptized into John's baptism. And then he um, prays for them, and then they start speaking in tongues straight away. And so a lot of the basis around that is well, you you're not a believer unless you speak in tongues. And I've always had a bit of a Qualm with that because one Billy Graham never spoke in tongues and you can't tell me that he wasn't saved um, And two if we go from a biblical perspective um, The man on the cross next to Jesus that entered salvation. I'm pretty sure he didn't speak in tongues um, And he definitely entered into paradise. So we have a scriptural basis uh, for it uh, and and Thirdly, we know that Jesus never actually spoke so a book just dropped off the bookshelf um thirdly uh jesus never spoke in tongues and uh he whether he well, we we know in scripture we don't have any reference of that um that he spoke in tongues personally i believe he probably didn't need to um and so but we don't have any we we don't have any um you know evidence that he didn't speak in tongues and so those are just three things that uh, if i was to, if someone was to ask me do you think that tongues is a necessity for salvation um there's nothing in scripture that uh, actually says that that salvation is by faith and belief in jesus christ and ex- and accepting him as our lord and savior confessing with our mouth believing in our hearts that he's lord so those are the those are the um the requirements for salvation not tongues However, um, if, if we were to look at the gifts of the spirit, and I'm going to talk about that word in and of itself, if we were to look at them as a whole, um, I would say, well, if, as Christians, as believers, there's an arsenal or an arm, uh, a, 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 um, you know, armory of, of weapons and gifts and things that we have access to, uh, whether it's praying for the sick, prophecy, um, words of knowledge, Uh, healing, um, tongues, all interpretation of tongues, all of those things, then the gift of wisdom, discerning spirits, all of the ones that Paul mentions, uh, then I'm like, well, if they're available, I want to know if I have access to them and how I pursue them and how they're going to actually not just enhance my own personal life, but also be a benefit to the world around me. So I want to know if I have access to those. And so that's what we're going to look at and so the first scripture and and probably the obvious one is acts 2 so if you have your bibles i'd encourage you to just take a look at acts 2 and um and we're going to just really really quickly read it um verse 1 says when the day of pentecost arrived they were all together in one place his own native language then then it names the the different languages so it says parthians medes alamites residents of mesopotamia judea cappadocia pontus asia um, phrygia pamphylia egypt and the parts of libya belonging to cyrene and visitors from rome both jews and proselytes Credence and Arabians um, hear them telling in own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and said, they are filled with new wine." Well, correct. They were filled with new wine. And, um, and they were speaking in um, the, uh, language, they were speaking in a tongue and the people from all these different nations were hearing that tongue in their own language. So um, there's different debate about whether they were speaking their language or whether they were hearing in um, their language, and we don't know. But it's like this: it's like if you go to the Olympic Games and everyone starts speaking from Italy, from Spain, from Greece, from um, Jerusalem, from China, from all different nations of the world and I am hearing them all speak in English. But then someone next to me who's Italian is hearing the mighty works of God in Italian. And then someone next to them who's Spanish is hearing the mighty works of God in Spanish. They were all hearing in their own dialect or their own language, the mighty works of God and and these divided tongues of fire on top of their heads. (sighs) What a meeting to be in. What a meeting to be in. And so that is one aspect of tongues in that, and that still happens today where people have had numerous stories where they've prayed in a tongue and then the person has heard it in their language. Um, One of my Uh, favorite revivalist ever is is a lady named Maria Woodworth Etta and she tells a story of how um, they were in a church service and we're gonna I'm gonna address the uh, speaking in tongues in a church service so but they were in a church service and um, this uh, the preacher it might have even been her began to speak in tongues and there was no interpretation which probably you shouldn't normally do. But what they didn't know is there was a family from, um, uh, it was like Peru or somewhere like that had come and they heard the gospel in their native tongue from the pulpit. And so they got born again and they got saved and they got plugged into this church. And so they heard the mighty works of God through through tongues and so that's happened there's numerous stories even today of those things happening and so that is one aspect of tongues now if you go to acts 19 we're going to read verse 1 we're going to read another story about tongues so and it happened that while apollos was at corinth paul passed through the inland country and came to ephesus there he found some disciples and he said to them did you receive the holy spirit When you believed, and they said, no, we have not even heard, excuse me, that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of of the lord jesus and when paul had laid his hands on them the holy spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying there were about 12 men in all so here's one verse where people say well you have to lay hands on people to receive the baptism of the holy spirit yes that is one way that the activation it talks about it in timothy that he would, they would lay hands on him for the stirring up of the gift that is already within him. Now, I want to pose this question, though, to us as a church. When we receive Jesus, do we receive partial Jesus or full Jesus? The answer is we receive the full Jesus. We don't receive a partial salvation and then a couple of weeks later you get another dose and then a couple of weeks later you get another dose. The moment you're born again, you're fully born again. Just like a baby is a full baby. It's not a it's it's a full human being, it's not a partial human being. It might not yet know how to walk, talk, respond, reason, all of those things, but it's fully human. So the moment you're born again, you're fully born again. And 1 John 4 17 says, As he is, so you are in this world. And so you have The same spirit that rose Christ Jesus from the dead dwelling in your mortal body. So that when you have someone lay hands on you, so for example, you might be a Christian, have been a Christian 15, 20 years, and you've never spoken in tongues. And then someone, you're at a meeting, someone lays hands on you, and and they've done a teaching on tongues or the impartation of the Holy Spirit and they lay hands on you, and then all of a sudden, you're like, and you start praying in tongues, and you're like, oh, I received the gift from that man or that woman because they laid hands on me through the impartation of uh, of laying on of hands. Now, I believe in the impartation of laying on of hands, but not to receive a, a gift that is from God. So the gift isn't from man, the gift is from God, and so, they may have sparked something that's already inside you into action, and now you're operating in healing or tongues or whatever. And I would like to propose that, like everything else in the Christian faith, it operates off faith. And so often our belief system is like, oh, this man or this woman's gonna pray for me, and I'm now gonna operate in the gift of healing or prophecy or tongues. And so they lay hands on us, and then we start to operate because our faith is there, and that's where it starts to operate. Because God is just so good and kind, and He loves to just meet us where we're at. And so here, I believe that's what happened with Paul: is they started to operate in the gift of praying in tongues, even though um, they were baptized into the repentance baptism, and then they received the Holy Spirit. Alright, so let's go on now to um, 1 Corinthians 12, which is the big gifts chapter. Now, a little bit of back context. Actually, let's go to 1 Corinthians 1, sorry, quickly. I'll just read this um, verse to you because I want to put this into real context um, for us. It says this, um, verse 5, verse 4 says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given to you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now there is a day when the gifts will cease, and that is when Jesus returns and when His kingdom is fully in reign, and f- there is no more sin, no more death, no more destruction. That that will happen. Gifts will cease. Prophecy will cease. Healing will cease because of we will live in we will be in perfect perfect unison. Um, and so <clears throat> there is that day, but until that day. Here it says that you would have every gift, not lacking anything. And so, Paul is starting to address some things with the Corinthian church. Now, the Corinthian church were operating in words, of knowledge, healing, all the gifts that he's about to mention. But they were—they believed they were a um, polytheist um, uh, town, or you know, a lot of poly, a lot of Greek towns were polytheists. So they believed in multiple gods. And so they believed that if, if you prayed for someone and they got healed, that was the God of healing. Or if there was a word of knowledge, that was the God of word of knowledge. Or if there was a prophecy, that was the God of prophecy. This is a pretty common view uh, in in um, in some theological circles that a lot of Christians hold. And so Paul was now addressing... This remember, there's probably a letter that was written to him, and he's now answering a bunch of questions that they've posed to him. And they're in a church setting. They're in a setting, whether it was um, house to house or in um, colosseum or big, um, uh, you know, synagogue type uh, places. He's addressing some of these issues, and now he starts to write. And so they don't have chapters, they would have had the, the letter, they would have opened it up, oh, a letter from Paul, and they would have read it in one sitting, knowing they were going to address the questions that maybe they'd, he was going to address the questions that they'd asked. And so here he says in verse 12, 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Now, if you, in your Bible, or in, uh, if you're reading from your phone, or you can click on, um, uh, oh, I'm recording from my phone. <laughs> if you have um, Olive Tree Bible, you can actually, um, it's a really cool app. I'd encourage us all to grab it. Um, it's just, uh, I think, well, it, might, it was free for a long time. and might cost you $15 or something like that, but it's really worth it. Um, we spend way more on coffee. So, if you, um, and you can get what's called strong. So, I'm going to show you, if you can see that there, that's 1 Corinthians 12, and my mouse should be over the word gifts. Now, if I click on that, it comes up with a definition, and it comes up with this. It comes up with the word spiritual, so it doesn't actually, you probably can't see it, but it doesn't actually come up with the word gifts and the word gifts is in in italics in some bibles and that means it actually was not there in the original context meaning that that word has been added in at a later date at another time so if we read that again it says now concerning spiritual brothers i do not want you to be uninformed So what's Paul doing? Paul is addressing the spiritual dynamics now of the Christian walk. So he's not just talking about gifts per se. He's actually saying, I want to address the spiritual. Remember, these guys are polytheists. So they believe in multiple gods. Even though they're Christian, they believe that the gifts are operating from multiple gods. So then he goes on. He says, you know that when you were pagans, right... You were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one says Jesus is Lord except the Holy Spirit. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. So now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God. God. Who empowers them all in everyone. So he's he's correcting polytheism right now. And he's saying, Listen, tongues, same God. Healing, same God. Prophecy, same God. He's he's setting that up. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For one is given through the spirit, the utterance of wisdom and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one, the same spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So here, this is where people go, oh, see, God individually wills that person to have the gift of tongues or the gift of prophecy, and that's why I cannot operate in that. My question again is, when you receive Jesus, do you receive partial Jesus or full Jesus? You receive fully. Did Jesus operate in all of those gifts? Yes, as he is, so you are in this world. Does that mean you can operate in all of those gifts? Yes. Now, if I pray for someone and they're sick and they get healed, what's just happened? They've received the gift of healing. Who was the vessel? Me. How did it happen? As God willed it through my life, they received the gift of healing. Same with prophecy. If I give a prophetic word, they've received the gift of prophecy. Who was the vessel? Me. How did they receive it? Through the Holy Spirit, the same God. If they, if I pray in tongues, who received it? Me. Now there's a tongue for people, and there's a tongue for edification of your of your um, inner man. And so we're going to look at that. And so um, let's go down to. So uh, let's go down to verse. Um, We'll just read chapter 13, verse 1. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith, so to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And I love this because people say, Liam, what is the first and foremost thing of the Holy Spirit? I say, love. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit is for love regardless. And so the gift of the Holy Spirit is love. That's why we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. All right. And here now in verse 14, uh, chapter 14, Paul starts to address some um, uh, functions of how we do this now in church settings. And so he says, um, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts or earnestly desire the spiritual. He's like, listen, desire the spiritual, like go after this, like hunger for it. That especially that you may prophesy. So here he's like making a case. Now he's like, I want you to prophesy. There's a reason. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, right? So he's he's the church setting. And he's saying, listen, I want you to desire the spiritual. Why? Because it's good. And he says, um, especially that you may prophesy. And he's he's addressing something. He's saying, if you speak in tongues, you're speaking directly to God. Right? For no one understands him. So he's talking in a church setting. But he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to the people for their upbuilding, encouragement, consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself." So here Paul's saying, the one who speaks in a tongue, and we can just take it out of the context for a second and say, praying in tongues builds our spirit man. A good friend of mine told me a story about how he prayed in tongues for an hour on his way from one location to another. He arrived at a cafe and when he came in, uh, the woman said, like, basically fell under the power of God, got born again and saved. What's, what's the point? The point is tongues builds your spirit, man, up in such a way that it. it I don't know, fully understand it because it's mystery, right? Um, in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to the people. I've said that. The one who speaks in tongues builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church or the ecclesia or the brethren or the gathering, Right? Now, I want you to all speak in tongues. So here where there's people like, oh, well, it's a gift that only some can do as God's wills. And now Paul's saying, well, I want you all to speak in tongues. Sounds like a contradiction. Or there's context to 1 Corinthians 12 and what he's talking about in saying that um, he's addressing polytheism. So those that are like, oh, no, well, I don't have the gift of healing. No, no, you have the Holy Spirit who is the gift giver. So, yes, you have the gift of healing and you have the gift of prophecy. And you have all because it's all from the one spirit and you have the one spirit. And here he kind of addresses that because he says, I want you all to speak in tongues. He's like, listen, guys, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. He's talking about the church setting. So he's not talking about those that are prophets are greater. He's talking about in the church setting. The one who prophesies is greater in that moment. It has a greater purpose, right? Unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. So like that example I gave of Maria Woodworth Etta, if someone interprets, which obviously someone did because they said, hey, we just heard the gospel, now can we receive Jesus? So they did interpret it. Um, but that's where if I was... T- so it's, it's, my, let's make it really practical. Church, Sunday morning, 10 o'clock, and we have worship, and then I get up, and I'm like, for 25 minutes. And then I'm like, cool, great service, let's go home. No one is built up unless, say, um, uh, Rachel gets up and goes, hey, I have an interpretation for that tongue. I believe Liam was saying through the spirit, dot, 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 dot. And maybe one or two prophets pass judgment and they it's correct and there's an interpretation. And so then the church gets edified because there's an interpretation of that tongue. But he's basically saying don't do that unless there is an interpretation because no one gets built up. And so if you prophesy, then people get built up, edified and consoled. And so then he goes, "Now brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you benefit you?" unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching. If even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bo—the uh, bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourself, if you with tongues, you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into thin air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know what the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner in the speaker, and the speaker not a foreigner to me. So with yourself, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, the one who speaks in tongues should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing praise with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with this spirit, how can anyone in the position of the outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So really, really simply, Paul's saying, when you pray in with your, your spirit, pray with your mind also. So he's like, he's not saying don't pray in tongues. He's just saying, if you're like, Oh, thank you, Father, that you are so wonderful. Someone hears that they can say, "Amen." They can go, "I agree with that." Amen. And if I'm preaching, why would I preach in tongues if there's no interpretation? Because it doesn't—it's not building up the body at all. And so he's addressing that um, in its context, and he's saying, "Listen." I pray in tongues more than all of you, but I'd rather speak five words in English than 10,000 words in tongues because if I do that, I'm going to edify the church more than if I just come to you speaking in tongues, right? Now, we're going to read one more. hope that makes sense. We're going to read one more passage, um, and then we're going to be done. Um, Romans 8 says this. The Spirit himself bears witness. Verse 16 with our spirit, that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy compared to the glory that is to be revealed to us. For creation waits with eager belonging for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him is subjected it in hope that creation itself will be set free from its bondage of corruption. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes of what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for the For it with patience likewise the spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we ought but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words and he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the Saints according to the will of God so here he's making a statement that the earth is groaning for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. And who hopes for what he sees? It's like, oh, I hope for a, a glass. It's like, well, I have it. So he's he's saying there's a groaning that sometimes we don't know how to pray. And he's saying, But we pray from our spirit, and it groans too deep for words, and it starts to intercede. So here's the here's here's the functions. There's tongues that someone else hears the great mighty works of God in their language. Number one. Number two, there's tongues that build ourselves up, as we just read in Corinthians, that builds our inner man up and helps us and because we're talking directly to God. It's the one-way channel to God, or the two-way channel from him to us and us to him. Right? Then there's three, there's the preaching of tongues that needs an interpretation that needs interpretation in a church setting and then there's four there's groaning of intercessory prayer that starts to intercede for sons and daughters of god to be revealed for the hope that is to come and so here paul's addressing like this. Something deep within us that starts to groan when there's things that we maybe just don't understand and we don't have human words how to pray. I've had that multiple times where I'm like, I don't want a worship song. I don't want a Bible verse. I don't know what I need. I just need to pray in tongues. And I start to pray and I'm like, si And as I'm praying, and I've prayed for hours at times, my words, I'm like, I've even had words, I'm like, geez, that sounds like this. And I've Googled it and it means something, or things have happened where I'm like, that's a that's actually a word in Hebrew or some other language. And so that starts to take place. And so those are some of the functions of tongues. I wanna hit one point that Paul says, he says, I pray, I desire that you all pray in tongues. So I just wanna set the, the uh, slate clean that every single believer can pray in tongues. It's available for all of you. It's a free gift that when we receive it by faith, I believe we can all pray. And you might sound, let's make it real practical. You might sound silly. You might be like, oh, I'm just, my mind's telling me to do that. Well, he said, when I pray in tongues, my mind is, I want my mind to be praying also. So you just, I just started. I was two weeks in the Lord. Someone prayed for me to pray in tongues. And I was like, all right. And I was like, Shorabasi. Oh, what is that? And I started to pray like a language and it's been developed, it's developed over time, and there's various types of tongues as it mentioned. And so some sound different, some sound the same because there are various types of tongues. So anyway, I hope that encourages you. Bless you guys, and any questions, I'd love to answer them. And uh, love you heaps. Bye.